You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. In the summer of 2019, months before the COVID pandemic would fuel a massive expansion of podcast availability, an eventual acceptance of this medium, even from the most conservative religious circles, the Yeshiva of Newark launched its platform, fusing an enlightened series of shurim and contemporary topics presented uncompromisingly with serious interviews and dialogue with important figures in education, psychology, and mystical thought. The result shown important shafts of light on hitherto unnoticed problems and suggesting real solutions. During the global shutdown of in-person learning options and forced quarantines, hundreds of searchers across multiple time zones joined our Zoom live events every afternoon and evening. Sophisticated classes described the fundamentals of Talmud learning for adults who had been underserved. Scarly old hands joined Shurim and Yershalmi and Dafyemi. We were at the forefront of producing Hespedim for so many stalwarts of Torah and Avoda who passed away during the height of the Magefa. These presentations brought comfort and appreciation to the bereaved of our people. The platform routinely chimed in on the relevant issues and upsetting scandals of the day from a rabbinic perspective. We even offered options for healthy, life-affirming entertainment in a world bowled over by streaming services. With downloads approaching the million mark and an archival library numbering in the thousands, the Yeshiva of Newark podcast has been striving to continuously upgrade our content, professionalize our audio sound, along with altering approaches in light of much-appreciated listener feedback. I firmly believe that a niche has been carved out that resonates with many on the wide spectrum of observant Jews. This explains why we continually rank high in independent online lists of top yeshiva podcasts. This proud edifice I've described is in real danger of toppling and disappearing. We need the help of our listeners to continue to record and edit, to promote the product that has been a balm and instructor to so many. Just $36 as a minimum donation from a thousand of you out there will keep us afloat as a new arc of straight, intelligent, humorous discussion, lectures, debate, and inquiry, while the destructive waters of ignorance and identity politics, cyberbullying, crash around us. Your generous contributions will seal and galvanize this arc till it comes to a satisfying rest in an era of Beloi Ha'oretz Deo, heralding Mashiach, Bimheira, Bimeinu, Amen. Hello. I'm very happy to represent a shear that Diane Gershon Eliezer Schaffel gave in the midst of COVID about exercising for davening. It's still quite relevant, especially as all of us really need to be in the best physical shape we can in order to serve the Rabbi show to extend our lives. He deals with the issues in a very comprehensive and I think entertaining and enjoyable way. So here it is, Rabbi Shaffle on active agent of God. Enjoy. Uh, enjoy exercising. And uh, one of the times that they have to exercise is early in the morning before Shachris, uh, uh very often. And uh, this is really, it's a question which uh, is holds true or is a concern the entire year. But right now in the month of October, so it's particularly uh, challenging halachically because through the month of October, it's, it'll continue after October, but when we change the clocks, it's easier. But right now, Hanetzachama sunrise is getting later and later. I think it was already after seven o'clock th- this week, which means that people are waking up early before Shachris. And the question is, those people who want to exercise, so number one is, is it permitted to exercise before davening? And we'll see why shortly why that's even a shaila. And then number two, in the event that that's okay, many people, uh, I'm told, again, I don't exercise, so I don't know, but many people who exercise a lot, so they may want to go ahead and take a drink while they are exercising, or if they're going for a particularly long run or particularly long bike ride, they might want to get, go ahead and have some 
protein bars or eat some food, eat some uh, you know uh, uh, energy food before they go on their run or their uh, their ride in order to make sure that they could uh, that they'll have the energy to uh, to complete what they want to do. And the question then is, is it permitted to go ahead and eat or drink before davening also? So those are questions which we'll see from the Gemara and Shulchan Aruch, why these are questions. And then from there, we'll see what the, uh, whether or not there is a, a solution or whether or not it's really problematic to uh, exercise and eat before davening. And therefore, just to make sure that you never eat or exercise before davening, maybe you should be cautious and never eat uh, or never exercise so that you don't run the risk of wanting to exercise before davening and then running into these halachic problems. Uh, this is one of those areas where I happen to be machmer on, on that. So I avoided it at all costs, just so that I shouldn't run into the problem of exercising before davening. Okay, but that's just my approach. I wouldn't impose it on the rest of you. Okay, so what, what are the issues which we are discussing over here? Yeah. So here you have on source number one. So we begin with the Gemara in Brachos, on Daf Yud Amr Alf. So the Gemara says, it's a very straightforward. It says, Amr of Idi Bar Avin, Amr of Bar Ashian. So these are names of people who are speaking. And that is, So it's prohibited for a person to go ahead and take care of. Chafetzav means what we're going to translate as personal needs. To go take care of your own stuff before davening. So the language which they use is aser. You're not allowed to go ahead and do so. You're not allowed to prioritize your needs or your interests ahead of davening. Shanamar, and this is based on the passage which says, that righteousness, the fun of Yahalach, should come before you, should precede you, we'll translate it as. And then the second clause of the Pasuk is, you're going to put Pa'amav is going to be your feet, the bottom of your feet. So only then do you uh, do, do your feet hit the road. Vayasim is your place, Pa'amav, your feet, onto the road. What does Tzedek mean? So Rashi over there in the Gemara says, Tzedek is Tfila. So tzedek is a synonym for tefillah, for davening. So put into the context of the pasuk, it means that the first thing that you need to do is you need to daven. Shematzdiko leboro. You have to sort of like position yourself positively before the creator. And only once you've gone ahead and you've positioned yourself positively before the creator, then v'hadar, only afterwards, v'yasem pa'amev only afterwards you go ahead and you go off on your own pursuits. And this is the idea. Back in the day, it's not so relevant. It's not as relevant. We're not going to go into this now. But back in the day, so before hitting the road on a, uh, on a road trip of any sorts, whether it's a business road trip or it's a pleasure road trip, but you would always daven before you go ahead and you, uh, you hit the road. Nowadays, if you need to get on an early flight, Early flights nowadays may even be be before Alosa Shachar, some of them because uh, because Hanei is so late because sunrise is so late. But there was this idea that you shouldn't even travel before you go ahead and daven. Daven really needs davening really needs to be the first activity of the day. That's what the Gemara teaches us. And in fact, this is codified in Shulchan This is what we have in Source Three. So this is in Simon in Orachaim Simon Peites Siv Gimel. So it says very clearly. Person is not allowed to engage in personal activities. Let's say uh, you want to go ahead and you want to throw in a load of laundry, or you want to fold some laundry, or you want to wash some dishes, or you want to just tidy up around the uh, around the house. Or even to go ahead and travel, whether it's by car, uh, 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 trains, planes, or automobiles, it doesn't make a difference, but any traveling that you may do. You cannot do any of those things until you first daven. So davening always has to be that to, in, in our mindset, in our to-do list of what we're going to, uh, to do over the course of the day. So shachris, davening shachris really needs to be uh, essentially number one on our to-do list. Obviously, you'll get dressed, you may make your bed, you'll uh, brush your teeth and all of that. But uh, really what you're supposed to do is the first activity of the day is really supposed to be shmonaster. Then we say, some people are of the opinion that you could do these personal activities, you could take care of, uh, of business once you've said some of Birchas HaShachar, so you don't have to have a full Shmonesre, but having Birchas HaShachar is already going to be enough. Those Brachas, which you would say even before Baruch Shamar, but 
It's a good idea to avoid this approach when possible. It's a good idea to be machver and to not rely on this and really to uh, prioritize in terms of timing. First, go ahead and dive in the shachris and only afterwards would you go ahead and take care of other activities. So based on this Gemara and what it says in Shulchan Aruch, so it seemed to be pretty straightforward that exercise should not be one of those activities that you should be doing before davening. That would seem to be a personal pursuit. That would be chafetzot, your interest and your uh, what you, you want, want to do. And that really should not be done before davening. That would be a simple uh, uh, understanding of, a simple application, I should say, of Shulchan Aruch, of something that one should really avoid doing before davening shachris. But comes along the Piskei Tshuvas. We're not, we, don't, we don't even need to see the Mishnah over here. But the Piskei Tshuvas is a, um, a, a current safer. He's put out a number of volumes. It follows the order of the Mishnah and adds additional sources which have come out. Some of them were already out before the Mishnah but many of them are more current, Sfarm, which have been written subsequent to the, to the Mishnah in the past hundred years or so, which talk about more modern applications of, of the Halacha. So he writes regarding this halacha, this is in source number four, it says, some people write, he says, uh, taking care of your health before davening, let's say you need to go ahead and you need a doctor's visit, and the only available appointment is first thing in the morning, so you got to go, when the, when the doctor's available, that's the only time that you, uh, you have to go, they really set the, uh, the agenda. Oh, and this is the part which we're looking for more. Oh, he tamlut ukedoma, or exercising, or something similar. So, if you want to go ahead and you want to take care of exercising before davening, so they say there are those who write muteris ifneatzfila. So it is permitted before davening. When there is, we're going to translate tzorach mutzdak as a justified reason why it needs to be done before davening. So in the event that one is at work all day long, one goes straight, uh, you know, right after Shachris at the 7.15, let's say, one drives downtown in their downtown for the remainder of the day till they get home for uh, from Ilchamar, and then they, uh, they review Dafyomi, and then they go to sleep afterwards. So there's no other time in the day to really uh, exercise other than wake up early in the morning. So when there's no choice, there are those posts who say that it is permitted. That this, and we'll see the, the, the rationale for why this is so uh, in the next source. But there are those who say that that if you're uh, if you don't really have another time to exercise, exercise is going to be one of those things which is allowed before davening. Why is it allowed? So we say that uh, if you look in source number five, so you see this over here, you have the footnote that, which sends you to footnote one ninety. So footnote 190 in the Piskei Tshuva says, Tshuvas Rivos Ephraim. So there we go, Bob. There's a, a what? Yeah, yeah. Memphis. Recognize Rabbi Greenblatt. Yes. Yep, there you go. Rabbi Ephraim Greenblatt. Yeah. So in his, in his, uh, one of the volumes of his Tshuvas, so he says, he writes, Kago Larutz L'Shem Rafua. If a person is running because the doctor said, you got to go ahead and you got to get some exercise. You got to get some uh, some aerobic stuff in there. You got to get your heart pumping and you got to get some uh, some deep breathing. Oh, he says, or it's interesting. He says, somebody's going to be exercising in water. I don't know if he means like swimming or you're doing like aerobics, like, uh, uh, like weight training or balance or something, some sort of PT, which you're going to be doing in the pool. But either way, he says, any of that is going to be mutter. When there's a health consideration, and anything which is which is similar. So he he doesn't explain the reason. We'll see the reason why in a moment. But Rafraim Greenblatt doesn't say why, but he definitely justifies. He says that to go ahead and exercise when you have when your intent is to improve your health or to uh, to do something like. Um, uh, because a, a, a PT or, a, or an OT type of thing in order to strengthen muscle, to strengthen tone, to strengthen a core or something like that. So that is something which is, which is, uh, which is permitted. Then we say, the uh, kachasav, the kachasav, 
Vav Oschav Beis, B'Shem Ragon, Reb Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg, Shlita, now was Atzal. So he says that the Sefer Tefillah Kilchasa repeats or also echoes the same idea in the name of Rav Scheinberg. And now he explains the reason why this is okay is which we're going to see shortly this halach inside. Rav Scheinberg says that since you're, since, although generally there's a restriction against eating or drinking before you daven shachris, but when you need to eat or drink because out of health considerations, it is allowed. So the same way, says Rav Scheinberg, generally you're not allowed to go ahead and attend to your personal needs, but when your personal needs are health consideration, so that's not considered to be prioritizing yourself before God, because you need to be healthy. If you're going to be able to, uh, to daven, you need to be able to, uh, to be healthy, and pursuing health considerations is not considered to be the same thing as sitting down and doing a couple of stock trades before you go ahead and daven shachris or checking the sports pages, let's say, or updating your fantasy football team or whatever people uh, may go ahead and do. So those are things which are personal needs, which, uh, which are not really so beneficial. So therefore that should not be done before davening. But exercise is something which is like, it's a health thing and prioritizing your health ahead of, uh, of davening is not a violation of this halacha. And then he goes that, and he also emphasizes, however, this is true, assuming that you cannot do them after davening. Your schedule doesn't allow you to do it after davening, because after davening, you need to be at work. Because of some sort of justified reason. But in the event that one actually has time to do it after, uh, after davening, uh, then really it should be, uh, it, you should wait until after davening to do it, rather than beforehand. But that's what's going to be as far as exercise is concerned. And therefore, there is a strong basis to go ahead and say that somebody who wants to take a long run or a, lo- a long bike ride before davening, because that's the time available in their schedule to be able to do that exercise, so that, 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 that's okay. We could go ahead and we could permit that. So that is step number one. Step number one, we're good? Beginning of exercise starts with one step. So we got that one, that one step. It's as if we're exercising already. I'm already panting just thinking about it. Now, the second thing is going to be, what about the eating and drinking, which you would want to go, which, uh, which are going to be necessary if you're going to be exercising? And this is going to be true, whether it is before exercise, during exercise, or after exercise. So can we go ahead and justify that? So before we go ahead and get around to justifying that, we have to find out why is it necessary to justify anything? Why can't you just go ahead and have your protein bar in your Gatorade or your Powerade uh, while you're exercising and just, uh, wh- why is it an issue? So you're, specific, you're specifically talking about eating that is uh, correlated with exercise now. That, that's a very specific um, so, uh, ca- category of eating. Correct. I'm addressing that because that was the Shiloh which was most recently presented to me. Uh, two weeks ago on a Sunday, somebody wanted to know, uh, they asked me that question. I said, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a good topic for us to discuss on a Thursday night. So that's why. But as we're going to see, what, when, we, when we see the sources inside, we'll talk about whether or not um, there are going to be other justifications, even if it's not in the context of, of an exercise regimen. What, what are going to be the parameters of the restriction and what are going to be the allowances to go ahead and uh, do this stuff before now? Okay, so let's see now with source six. So let's see why this is an issue in the first place. So this is another Gemara in Brachos, but this is that Yudam Abes. The other one was Yudalad. Now we went backwards and we're in Yudam Abes on a treadmill. So we're not really making uh, headway so we could go backwards. So it's Amr Yitzhak, Amr Yochanan, Amr Yosef, Reb Chanina, Mishim, Reb and Yaakov. Long list of names, but they say, Kol Ocha V'Shosef Achakach Mispalo. It's interesting the way that this is phrased. But he says, a person who goes out and eats and drinks and then says, oh yeah, I, I, I shouldn't forget, I still have to dab in chakras. I love Hakasav Omer. In case you're a coffee drinker first thing in the morning, don't get nervous. I'll just tell you from the outset. So it says, I love Hakasav Omer. The Pasuk says in reference to you, I think is the way it's pronounced, that you have, God says, you have thrown me behind yourself, like behind your back. I'll tikre gavecha. And they go ahead and they darsh and don't read a gavecha, elegeyecha. But rather, you have thrown me behind your haughtiness. In other words, as we're going to see, when you go ahead and you sit down, let's just be dramatic over here. 
uh, you're at one of the uh, the nice hotels in your Shalayim uh, on vacation, and everybody knows that uh, one of the good things about staying at the uh, at, a, at a, one of the nicer hotels in your Shalayim is you wake up in the morning and they've got an incredible breakfast spread out there. They've got fruit and they've got fish and they've got the pastries and they've got all the things that uh, that uh, that you want. They've got yogurts and all all of those different things. So you figure, you know what? I'm going to go Davin Shachris, uh, you know, with the uh, the great synagogue. Shachris will be at eight o'clock. I'll get up at six thirty and I'll be able to hit the, t- the the breakfast table nice and early. I'll get there with uh, the stuff as it's coming out fresh. Get an hour of breakfast in before Shachris, and then I'll be able to go ahead and I'll be able to uh, to attack Shachris. So Kadosh Baruch Hu says, no, that is haughtiness on your part. It's prioritizing your interests ahead of God once again. I'm a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Kadosh Baruch Hu says rhetorically for a person who does hit the uh, the buffet table at the hotel before they dive in Shachris. I'm a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Kadosh Baruch Hu says, after this guy goes ahead and is all haughty and is all interested in himself, now he's going to accept upon himself the yoke of heaven? The yoke of heaven has to be something which is the priority of your day and not something that you get around to once they're no longer serving breakfast. Once they go ahead and say, announce last call for breakfast. So then you, uh, you know, you go rolling out after eating all that food, you roll yourself over to Shachas. That's not a proper way to, uh, to behave, to put yourself ahead of God like that. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually takes offense when you go ahead and you decide you're going to eat breakfast before you get around to, uh, to davening Shachas. So this is the restriction, this is what the Gemara says, is the restriction against eating and drinking, having a meal before Shachris. And this is codified in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch says that this is Simon Peta Siv Gimel, same place, essentially. It says, So amongst the things that you're not allowed to do before davening is eat or drink. But somebody wants to drink some water before davening, that's not considered to be offensive. Water is considered to be just straight up hydration. And that is not, it's not demonstrative of haughtiness. And this is going to be something which is significant as we move on. But drinking water is not something which demonstrates any sort of haughtiness. You're just doing that because in the, overnight you, uh, you, you dry out. Uh, well, part of the, the grogginess in the morning, if I understand correctly, Stu, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But part of the grogginess in the morning is related to uh, dehydration. And drinking water in the morning is something which is uh, which is a good thing to uh, to do. There are those who say that uh, really, instead of having coffee, which is also a diuretic, you're much better off. It's much healthier to go ahead and have some water first thing in the morning to rehydrate the body and the brain and all of those things. Excellent. Rabbi Schaffel, in that yeah. regard, would you be permitted to have coffee because you're groggy and you feel that if you don't have the coffee, you won't be able to... And you won't be able to have proper kavana when you're dominating. So we're, get, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm a, I'm a coffee drinker, so we're, we're definitely going to get there. <laughs> and then we say, and then Shulchan Aruch says, skipping some of the stuff in the middle, we say, However, in the event that, let's say, one needs to take a medication first thing in the morning, and the, uh, the, uh, the medication is not to be taken on an empty stomach, it doesn't, for whatever reason, it needs to be taken with, uh, with food in the system. So in that case where you're eating the food, not because you're interested in necessarily having breakfast, but you just need for the medication to be effective, you need to have food in your system. So eating or drinking under those conditions, that would certainly be okay as well. But generally, just to sit down and have a meal, uh, to eat or drink anything other than water, so from Shulchan Aruch, that's going to be Aser. So this should make all of us coffee drinkers a little bit nervous. Why am I allowed to go ahead and have my coffee? Or you see sometimes people will roll in if they pass, a, even if they don't pass a coffee store on the way, but they could roll in with their double latte, cappuccino, froth, whatever, whatever thing they're going to go and have with, uh, with extra whip and extra whatever, you know, some caramel uh, uh, on the top. So when they roll in with one of those, so could we actually justify having that before chakras? Or really that's something which is not appropriate to have before chakras because that's going to be demonstrative of this gaiva this haughtiness, which the Gemara uh, goes at and identifies. So before we can answer these questions on a practical level, so what we need to do is, interesting, we need to see what the reasons are why we're not allowed to eat before davening, eat or drink before davening. And then once we know what the reasons are, then we may be able to start figuring out what exactly are the allowances, are there any exceptions to the rule? So right now, all we, the only exception we know of is health considerations. 
if you need it for uh, for refuah, so then you'd be allowed to do so. So here, uh, the Mishabura says, so this is in source eight over here, Mishabura, this is Sivkan Chaf Aleph over there. So he says that you're not allowed to eat. Mishabura explains, one who violates this, Amru Chazal, Shalav Amar HaKasav, in reference to such a person who eats, has breakfast before davening. The Pasuk says, So that's the Pasuk we saw, that you throw me behind you. And Amar Karsh Baruch says, After you go ahead and you sit down and you eat and you drink and you indulge in personal pleasures, which is a haughty thing, it's at that point that you finally think about God. So God takes offense to that, that you're prioritizing yourself ahead of him, and that should not be done. That is explanation number one, and it's important to keep track. So the first one is that it's considered to be gaiva to go ahead and eat and drink before you accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven. Then the Mishabur says, explanation number two, another pasuk which Chazal point to as to why one should not eat or have breakfast before davening, is the pasuk says, and this is a little bit more Kabbalistic, but it's brought down, and that is, lo sochu al hadam. Pasuk says, literally means, you should not eat, we'll say, you should not eat blood, but chazal darshan et amin, lo tochlu kolem shehispalu al dimchem. Don't go ahead and eat before you've davened for your own life. In other words, approaching Hashem and Shimon Esrei and asking for well-being and good health and all of those things, that really needs to be the priority that we are supposed to do is, first we have to go ahead and we have to think about the very life which we have, and therefore, and only afterwards would you go ahead and daven. And according to this, he says, and this is something which we'll see, will we'll also make a, be, a, be a difference based on the reasons, uh, as, as we'll see shortly, but according to this idea, it's not even sitting down and having like a formal breakfast meal, which is going to be Yasser. Even if on your way out, together with your, uh, your cup of water, uh, somebody in the family went ahead and baked some chocolate chip cookies, and they're out on the counter there, and you just can't resist and you say, you know what, I'm just going to have half a cookie on my way to Shachlis. In the car, on the way to Shachlis, I'll munch on half a cookie. So even something which is Ti'ima Ba'alma, you're just tasting it. You're not actually having breakfast, or you're just having a small snack even that would be Aser. So we have two different things over here. One is considered to be gaiva, it's haughtiness, before you accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven. And the other is, is that it's inappropriate. You're not allowed to eat before you've daven for the blood that runs through your veins, which means before you've said Shmon Esrei. So he says, so if you look now in source nine over here, so this is the Bir Halacha, on that, that's it. And he talks about the difference. He highlights the difference between these two explanations. So essentially what he's going to say is, one of them, Kabbalah's Omar HaShemayim, that's essentially Kriyashma, that it's considered to be Gaiva, to prioritize yourself before accept upon yourself the yoke of Kriyashma, before you accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven, which is Kriyashma. And the second source is, you're not allowed to uh, eat before you've davened for your life. Daven in that context is Shmon Esrei. So one is a Kriyashma Halacha, one is a Shmoneser Halacha. So he says, Bir Halacha says, we'll just jump from uh, over here, he says, He says the significance of the second reason, which is um, eating before you've davened for your life. According to the first explanation, it's, it's offensive if you eat breakfast before you say Kriyashma. So according to the first explanation, just say Kriyashma. Wake up in the morning, say, 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 Kriyashma, like we announce in Shul, when, uh, when Kriya talks about Kriyashma is early, make sure you say Kriyashma before you come to Shul. So you, say, so you say to yourself, okay, I went ahead and I said Kriyashma. According to that first reason, I'm no longer prioritizing myself ahead of Kriyashma, ahead of Kabbalah's Omar Kriyashman. I can eat breakfast now because I already said Kriyashma. But according to the second reason, which says you're not allowed to eat until you've davened for your life, that is Shmonesrei. That's going to be problematic. Kolzman, the Bir Allah goes on to say, Kolzman as long as you have not yet said Shmonesrei. So just saying Kriyashma is not going to give you a pass to the breakfast table, because according to the second explanation, you have to say Shmonesrei first. Rabbi Shastor. Yeah. 
According to the first explanation involving Kriyat Shema, are uh-huh. we talking about Shema with all of its paragraphs or just Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad? Because, uh, or the, that in the first paragraph, because in the earlier explanation, um, it, it said that there, uh, in the uh, Shulchan Aruch, it said there were Mekalim um, who allowed people after they said uh, the things before uh, Baruch Shamar, which would include which Shema and the first paragraph. Right. It, 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 could, it could be that you could get away with, uh, with just Shema and Baruch Shem. It could be it's, uh, it's Shema Baruch Shem in the Havta. Uh, one of the, those things, but yeah, that generally be understood as Kabbalah's Omar Hashem. You may not have to say all three paragraphs in order to uh, in order to uh, to fulfill it. That, yes, that's uh, that that is correct. So, be, being that we have these two reasons and there's a difference between them, so the Bir Halacha's conclusion is Al Korach Therefore, it seems to me somebody who does have a health reason why they need to go ahead and eat some food before davening, so at the very least, they should say Kriyashma. So they may not be able to go ahead and say Shmon before they eat, because they need to eat before they get to Shmon before they do Tefillah B'Tzibur and Shul, but they can still fulfill the obligation of the first explanation, which is to make sure to say Kriyashma before you go ahead and eat and drink. So somebody who is going to be eating and drinking before davening. So, in the, so let's say our, our fellow who's going to be exercising. So if we, even if we're going to be able to justify the exercising and having something to eat or drink before exercising, he should make it a priority. He or she should make it a priority to at least say kriyashma before you go ahead and you start munching and you uh, eating or drinking those things in order to prepare or in the middle of your uh, of your run. Okay. Now, over here. Um, here in source number 10, the Mishabura, it, it gives us a third explanation as to why it's not allowed and actually also expands the timing of the Yisr. So until now, if we only, if we stopped at source nine, we would say that the only uh, time that this Yisr is going to kick in is going to be from the earliest time that you could daven. Meaning it's offensive to eat or drink before you daven. Obviously that Yisr could only begin when you could daven. If it's 10 minutes before the earliest time you could daven chakras, there shouldn't be any isr to go ahead and eat and drink as much as you want because it cannot be considered offensive because you can't daven anyways at that point. It's too early to say Kriyashma. It's too early to say Shonas, right? So you can't hold it against me if I go ahead and I eat some food that early in the morning when I, I, I can't daven anyways. So you can't, uh, you can't hold me hostage like that where I'm not able to daven and I'm not able to eat or drink either. That would be the ultimate of zelo fair. So that's what we would assume up until source number nine. Now in source number 10, so Mishabur gives us another reason. And this is a general thing, which is not even limited to, uh, to davening, as you'll see. So says the Mishabur there in Sivka and Chavzayin, even if you're in a time period where you should be allowed to eat because you're not able to daven or say Kriyashma anyways, where it's more than half an hour before Alos. So it's more than half an hour before dawn where there are no such restrictions. Now he says, because the betoch chatsi shah, sorry for the Rashi tables, they says the betoch hachatsi shah, asl hasl lechel. He says, before that half, half hour before alosa shachar, you're not allowed to start a whole breakfast. That's already considered to be too close to shachar's time that you'd be allowed to start a meal at that time. Now, how do we know that this is true? Because anytime there's a mitzvah deraisa to do, so there's going to be restriction against eating and drinking in the morning before you do that mitzvah deraisa. So taking lulav and esrog on the first day of sukkah is a deraisa. So if you wake up early on sukkah's morning and you want to go ahead and you want to have breakfast, so in addition to all the restrictions against eating and drinking, before davening stamazoi, there's going to be an additional restriction, which is you're not allowed to eat and drink when there's a mitzvah daraisa, which is on the agenda, which you have to go ahead and you have to take care of. And Kriyashma is also a mitzvah daraisa. So once you get within range of when you could do those mitzvahs, within range is defined as within half an hour before alos, half an hour before dawn. So their restriction is going to apply. And he says, 
Kriyashma So the same thing is true with regards to Kriyashma, which is also a Daraisa, that restrictions already begin half an hour before Alos, half an hour before dawn. But he says, Vidavka, now even though we've now expanded the time frame in which this restriction applies, so it already begins since we're dealing with before Kriyashma, so it's half an hour before Alos. Nonetheless, this is only going to be, this is no longer just tasting food. We mentioned te'ima before, just having a little snack. Here, it's only going to be if you eat more than an egg's volume worth of food. So you have a kazayas. Kazayas is usually considered to be a significant amount. So double a kazayas is a kabetza, is the volume of an egg. So that is where the restriction is going to apply. David keva which is already, that's already considered to be a, a, a real type of snack. It's not just a little taste of something. That's already considered to be significant. Or if you drink something which is similar to this amount. But if it's going to be less than that, so it's motor adalos shachar. So although there's a restriction which begins half an hour before alos, that restriction is going to be only if you eat a kabetza, only if you eat an, an egg's volume. So that half an hour before alos, then if you want to just go ahead and take a small, uh, you know, if you were to take, let's say, one granola bar, one granola bar, depending on its size and thickness, one granola bar may not be a kabetza. So in that half an hour before alos, you'd be allowed to have that. But once alos rolls in, which is the earliest time you could possibly say shmones or shma, then tasting any food, unless you have a heter, is already going to be aser. So we've expanded the timing of the Isser, but in that expanded timing of the Isser, so then it's only violated if you eat a significant amount. But if you eat just a small little uh, taste of something, so that that would, be, that would be acceptable. Okay, so that's why it's important to know those people are going to be running or, or, or biking before uh, Shachris in the morning, because that's the only time that they have. So what they may or may not be allowed to eat will very much revolve around how early in the morning they're starting and what, uh, what time Alos is on that particular day. Because there could be many days where you already start this way before Alos. And then if it's before Alos, then none of these restrictions apply. So you have to be attentive to the timing of all of this to know which restrictions apply and what exactly the, uh, the extent of it is. Um, okay, now, um, okay, so let's see, we, we won't read all of this inside, just because of timing considerations, but here the Mishavura in Sifkan Chav Beis, so here he now talks, he talks about, we said that the only thing that you're technically allowed to have is water. That's what he said that you're allowed to have. Comes along the Mishavura and he explains, why is water okay? Gaiva. Because drinking water is not considered to be a gaivadika thing. It's not haughty in any way. It's just hydration. It's just simple, uh, you know, what, what a person needs to do. Now he says, vidavka below tsukar. This assumes that you don't put any sugar into that water. So once you start sugaring up that water, i.e. Gatorade or something like that, Powerade, so that already changes things. That's no longer considered to be water. Avalim tsukar, but if you go ahead and you're adding in sugar, koshakain aser, that's certainly aser. And certainly, if you go ahead and you drink an intoxicating beverage, Shikorin Beer. Didn't know how to spell beer in Hebrew, but now you know. He spells it base Yud Ayin Reich, Beer. That's what you have to go ahead and pronounce. Maybe that's the Irish way of pronouncing it or something. So that certainly is going to, to be Aser. Even though beer is mostly water, but once you've gone ahead and you've added the alcohol and you've added the flavor, so now that already is considered to be offensive. Okay, I'm assuming nobody's taken a, a six-pack or something before their run or, uh, or their, uh, their, their ride in the morning. I'm not judging if you are. I'm just saying I'm assuming that that's not what you're doing. Now he says, What about drinking tea and coffee before Shachris? Is that allowed or not? So get a load of this. He says, So you, this is what you mentioned, Bob. You are allowed to drink a tea or coffee, depending on what type of drinker you are, whether you're a tea or coffee drinker. You can do that before davening. Because for those who are coffee drinkers, let's just say, so if you don't have your coffee in the morning, you're not going to be able to focus at all. You're going to be in this big brain fog of, uh, of existence, and you won't know that's probably more a theta state of mind rather than a consciousness state of mind, and that's not going to be so conducive for davening. And specifically, 
And this is certainly true in those places where that's what they do. They're, they're, they're accustomed to drinking coffee or tea in the morning. And your mind doesn't settle, your mind doesn't focus until you have that first morning coffee. So if that's the circumstance of your, uh, your existence, then clearly you need to go to have a clear mind. You clearly need to go ahead and have that coffee in the morning. But now he says, He says, your coffee or tea that we're allowing you to have in the morning before davening is without sugar and without milk. Just straight up like black coffee. So straight up black coffee, that's all that he allows. Now he says, however, he says, even though this is what early authorities say, that the only coffee that you're allowed in the morning is straight black coffee, no sugar, no milk, or no creamer. He says, however, Mishabur observes that people are generally lenient as far as this is concerned to have it with sugar. Ah, how could that be if the post can say you're not allowed to put sugar? He says, those who say that adding sugar is gaiva, before davening, uh, he says, maybe what they mean is, and maybe some of you remember your parents or your grandparents doing this, but he says, maybe their restriction against adding uh, sugar to your tea or coffee is only in the event that you actually put the sugar into the tea or coffee. That would be also before davening. What else are they going to do? You take a sugar cube and you put that in your mouth. You put that between your teeth. And then you drink the tea or coffee through the sugar cube. And without having the sugar cube between your teeth, you can't get the tea down because it's too bitter. Perhaps when we're talking about a what would otherwise be a bitter tea, you'd not be allowed to do so. So here he's introducing this idea. Are, are you guys familiar with that practice? The tea, the, the, the sugar cube between the tea? Yep. So he says, maybe that's okay. So adding it into the tea is no good, but having the sugar cube in your mouth, so that would be an acceptable thing. I always used to think that they made sugar cubes just for school projects. Then you go ahead and you see people who are a little bit older than myself who actually used it in the process of drinking. So that's where I, uh, I saw that. Okay, but now he says that, um, okay, let's let, leave it at that. So he says that the, the adding of the tea or the sugar is something which is going to be, uh, is potentially going to be uh, uh, problematic. But he says, uh, actually, we'll go. So he says, So he says, what emerges from our discussion is the benesinas hatsukar betochate, if you add sugar into your tea, olecho ma'amini targima base hashtia kideshilo. Or if you have a little bit of kichel together with the tea or the coffee so that you're not consuming the tea or coffee on an empty stomach, literally means an empty heart, but it means a completely empty stomach, meaning that you won't be able to get it down so well in the event that you don't have, it's not going through some sort of food. That's why God created kichel in the first place. So So there's no reason to justify this uh, at, at all. So to go ahead, and he's saying now, to add sugar into the tea or coffee, that, the Mishabura says, we cannot justify. Unless we're talking about somebody who has a weak heart or something, and therefore needs it because otherwise they're not going to be able to get their, uh, their blood flow going in the morning or they're not going to be able to function. So somebody needs it for refuah, so then they may be able to add the sugar to the coffee or the tea, but if it's not needed for refuah purposes, the Mishabura says it's really very difficult to go ahead and justify it. But even a person who is going to get a heter because it's refuah, they need it for health reasons. So back to what we said, it's a good idea at the very least to say Shema before you have the coffee with sugar or the tea with sugar, even in a case where you could justify the practice, but to the degree that you can accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven before indulging in that sugary drink, you should go ahead and you should do so. Um, okay, let's leave that at that. And he says, now the Pisgah Tshuva adds, so this is where the Mishabura leaves off, and he's writing this in the beginning part of the 20th century. 
So obviously the world changed dramatically from the beginning of the 20th century into the 21st century. So practically, am I gonna now have to try and have my coffee without sugar in the morning? So here the Piskei Tshuva says, Lamaisa, as far as drinking tea and coffee in the morning before davening, so common practice is we're lenient as far as this and nobody questions it at all. No one is really machmer and says, oh, you're not allowed to drink coffee and they chain themselves in the coffee room saying you're not allowed to go ahead and have this until after, after Shachris. Not only that, but he says, He says, we're lenient even to add sugar or milk or even if you're that type of tea drinker who needs a slice of lemon, that's the pelach limon, a slice of lemon into your tea in order to be able to drink it, that also is going to be uh, allowed. And not only that, other soft drinks, that's the way we would translate it, soft drinks such as like a Coke or a Pepsi or something like that, or a seltzer or a Sprite, 7-Up. For those people who are not coffee drinkers and they drink other beverages in the morning, so that also soft drinks are also going to be something which we, uh, we commonly allow people to go ahead and have before davening. What's the reason? Why are we justifying something which seemed to be pretty clear, Usr? So the Pisgah Juvas explains, Vitam haheter, and the, the reason for this leniency is, because we don't really consider this to be something which is a gaiva being done in a haughty manner. It's being done because that's just what we do in the morning. People in the morning, they get up and they have whatever beverage it is that's going to go ahead and wake them up. And I, why didn't they have to do so before? I don't know. But hadoros, being that generations are becoming more weaker and weaker. He's using the term uh, snowflake generation, even before it was a phrase. But he's saying, but being that people are so, uh, so weak, such wimpy, we're such a wimpy generation. Most people would have a challenging time being able to have good kavana if they didn't have whatever their regular beverages in the morning. And then he says, okay, whatever. It also, uh, you know, uh, coffee may help uh, clean out the body. So it may have the advantage of that, that uh, you won't have to run to the bathroom in the middle. But he says, uh, the one precautionary thing he says is, two precautionary things is, don't drink too much in the morning, just enough to be able to get the clear head. Just to have strength in the morning. To go ahead and have the coffee in the coffee room with 10, 15 other guys where you're schmoozing about the latest gossip. So gathering together with other people and schmoozing like that before davening, that is its own offensive uh, uh, activity, which should not be done before davening. And he says, on top of that, as we mentioned, you should make it, those people are going to indulge in coffee or tea or a soft drink before davening. So it's a good idea. You should try and be conscientious to make sure to at least say in before you go ahead and have that, uh, that beverage. Now, just the last thing that I want to share with you, and then we can take uh, questions. I'm not rushing off tomorrow, so I've got all night. Especially now, it's it's uh, it's bedtime for the kids, so I could take uh, you know I, I could be with you for hours. So the Shulchan Aruch says that we mentioned as a heter, as an allowance, is in the event that one is not well, one is, needs it for four purposes. So in this in this particular context, it's always important to know when dealing with halachas related to refuah. So what exactly is the um, is the um, uh, the, uh, the 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 um, threshold? The threshold. That's good. What what exactly is the threshold? Perfect. What's the threshold for being considered uh, necessary for refuah purposes in order to permit it? So there's a certain threshold which is necessary. Let's say in Yom Kippur to be able to eat a drink, which is obviously very high. So is do we have a similar type of threshold here that the person will not be able to make it to davening unless they have that drink? But if they can make it to davening as much as it'll be uncomfortable for them, they should go ahead and force themselves to do so or not. So here Shulchan Aruch says, this is in Simon uh, Pei test. This should be Sif, I think it's Daud or Hay. I think it's Sif Hay, but I'll have to check later. But he says, Hatsame Viharav. He says, if somebody wakes up in the morning and Same means they're thirsty, Viharav is they're hungry. So it's just, it, it just, it could be on a random morning. You just say you had a late lunch the day before 
when dinner was served, you didn't bother to dinner because you were still full. And then you get up going to sleep, you fell asleep. And now you wake up in the morning and you haven't eaten in a good, uh, you know, 12 hours or so. So he says, as far as this halach is concerned, that also qualifies as ill for this purpose. So now a person who's hungry or thirsty, so if you could go ahead and you could garner the necessary uh, kavana to be able to daven, so you should go ahead and do so without having to eat or drink. But but if as a result of your hunger or your thirst, you're not going to be able to have kavana, so then if you need to, so you can eat or drink already beforehand. And that is a, uh, that's a, uh, a leniency, which many people uh, utilize as far as the, these matters are concerned. They assume that by the time they get up in the morning, they're hungry or they're, uh, they're very thirsty. And therefore, that in and of itself already puts aside the, the, these halachas as far as these restrictions are, are concerned. But ultimately, I would use as the gauge what he says, what the Shulchanach says over here in Sifei, that, that everything really revolves around, as Bob had said earlier, whether or not you'll be able to have kavana without this. If you could have good kavana without this, you should, have, you should save these, uh, these snacks and these drinks for afterwards in the event that you're not going to be able to have good kavana unless you have your, or your coffee or whatnot. So then it's a justified thing to do, and it doesn't have those, it's not considered to be an offensive act, which one is doing before saying Kriyashma or before Shmonesra. So those people who have, the bottom line is, those people who their time of day to exercise is in the morning, and that's going to be before chakras, that's allowed. And in the event that one in conjunction with that exercise, one is going to need to uh, need needs to eat or drink also. So that also is a justified uh, thing that one could do. But one should try and be conscientious to make sure to say at least Birchas Sator in Kriyashma before you go ahead and uh, and hit the road and start uh, start eating or drinking. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.